Coming up on today's Locked On Big Ten, Ohio State rolls over Michigan State last weekend. A dominant win in a top 10 matchup. Buckeyes look unstoppable as ever, and we've got our Locked On Buckeyes host, Jay Stevens, in to recap all of it. Well, at least, I don't know, as much of it as he watched. I didn't certainly tune in all the way till the end. We'll have all of it here, as well as a look around the rest of the games around the Big Ten, and our first little question for Jay about the big matchup this weekend between Michigan and Ohio State. That's all right here on Locked On Big Ten. You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Big Ten. It's everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every day of the week, Monday through Friday. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson, and thanks for making the show your first listen of the weekday. Once you're done here, be sure to listen in to Locked On Buckeyes. Jay Stevens, our co-host every Monday here on the show on Locked on Big Ten, lets you know everything you need to know about Ohio State every day of the week as well. So again, once you're done listening in here, be sure to tune into what I'm sure is an even more in-depth recap of a blowout Saturday over on the Buckeyes pot. We're going to talk about that game and all the big ones you need to know about from over the weekend in the Big Ten here on today's show with Jay. But first, this may be the last time we'll, we'll see maybe if you can get on later on with Isaiah Hole later in the week, Jay. But we do need to talk about, of course, Michigan-Ohio State. Biggest game of the weekend, biggest game in college football. This is going to be, it looks like, at least a top five matchup for the first time in uh, I don't know how long, a long time that these two teams have been playing. How big is this in comparison to other Michigan-Ohio State games, Jay? We'll start there. This is the biggest game in this rivalry since when? I want to say it was a few few years ago, um, number two versus number three. I forget if it was 2016. I get my years mixed up mm-hmm. because it, they just kind of run together. But these games have been – they they hold a lot of weight, not just for rivalry stake and for talking points for 365 days a year. But it was a game a few years ago where it was literally a one-point game, and I think the game went into overtime or regulation. Game is crazy. But at the end of it was Curtis Samuel that ran um ran the game winning touchdown at the in the end zone. Uh, and I believe that was the game where it was two versus three or three versus four, something along those lines. It was another top five matchup. This these games are big. You have two teams right now. You have Michigan is playing very, very well. 59 points they put up against, I think it was against Maryland over yeah, the weekend. It was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 59 18 blowout win over the Terps over the weekend. Also, that was on the road. So it's, it's, it's a big game. It's huge. And I, I know I'm kind of stuttering over trying to figure out what year it was. This game holds a lot of weight. A few years ago, it was a very big game. Last year, it didn't have a game. Uh, 2018, 2017, those were also games where Ohio State won by double digits. I want to say it was a 2016 game. Now that I'm thinking it through a whole lot better, that was the last close game. And I think we might not see that tight of a game over the weekend because the Buckeyes looked really good. Michigan looks good. Don't get me wrong. But the Buckeyes look like a different team right now. Well, uh, let's talk about how get, how close this game could be, Jay. It opens up at just a touchdown spread on Bet Online right now. It stands at 7.5 in favor of the Buckeyes. But that was a bit of a surprise to me. We were talking last week with Isaiah about how I expected this line to be a little bit closer to what Michigan State line was and I don't think at least I'd have to listen back I don't think he disagreed with me at least vehemently that much but again the line opens up at just a touchdown 
what is it you feel like Vegas is seeing in this team that uh, at least I'm not seeing and I feel like you wouldn't be seeing either. I don't expect this game to be that close. I'm very surprised the line was right away, at least to start off the week. So to betonline.ag and other sports books around there, but primarily betonline, they've been off on quite a few Ohio State betting lines recently. If you think back a few weeks ago to the, let's get it correct, the Nebraska game. The Nebraska game, I believe that spread was 15 points. Ohio State won by nine. Now, granted, not way off, but Ohio State and Nebraska played a whole lot closer, tighter game than many people expected them to. The Purdue game, that was a, what is it, 15, at least 15-point spread, maybe closer to 20 points, That I think 17. That was a blowout win, a lot wider of a margin than BetOnline predicted. Once again, last week, it was a 19-point spread. Ohio State blew that out of the water in the first quarter. And so I think this is just another situation where BetOnline is trying to go with what they think the field might be, top five matchup, potentially top five matchup when the rankings come out on Tuesday. Um, Harbaugh coaching for his job. Um, I know he's a, he's a good coach, but I, th- I still think the brass is like, you can't beat your rivals, bro. You just can't be the coach here. So coaching for his job. Michigan trying to get to the Big Ten Championship for the very first time. So that's on the line. Battle to beat Ohio State for the very first time since I think the 2011 season. And so there's so many things on the line here. You're thinking you're going to get the best from Michigan, the best from Ohio State. I just think it's another trap and another situation where Bet Online is doing one thing, even though many people like us, you and I, and even Isaiah might think, the spread is too small right now. And I think, I don't think it's going to jump to 20 points by the, by, by kickoff, but I mean, it could be one where you should probably double that thing easily because it might not, it probably shouldn't be as close as it is. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens there as the week goes on. You mentioned the points that Michigan put up against Maryland, Jay. I wanted to ask about that because a big theme that we've talked about when we talked about just how good Ohio state has been, is been that, Really, even if you play well, it's a matter of nobody really having that offense to compete with what the Buckeyes are going to put up at a minimum. Michigan's put up a whole lot of points at different times this season. It's shown that it has offensive weapons. And I think part of that might be contributing to why this line is at least where it is right now. I feel like people think that Michigan might be able to keep up with Ohio State in a way that other opponents, even highly ranked ones, haven't been able to do. Uh, Do you agree? What do you feel like? this Michigan offense is going to be able to do against Ohio state here this weekend with the weapons that it has compared to the weapons that other good teams have brought in. So when it comes to the, uh, the offense of Michigan, being able to score the ball, I'm really going to be watching the battle up front. And I say that all the time, all these battle in the trenches. It is Ohio, Ohio state's run defense is their bread and butter. It's where they make their money on defense on offense. Michigan wants to run the ball. Blake Corum, will he be in the game? Will he not be in the game? That's going to be very a very key thing to watch throughout this week because if it's just Hassan Haskins and his running mate is not there, this defense of Ohio State, specifically the front four, going to be licking their chops because all they're going to have to do is do what they did to the leading rusher in the country. Even though Michigan's offensive line, I think it's slightly better at times than Michigan State's. You're going to have to be able to slow down a rushing attack because I don't, it don't matter if it's McNamara or McCarthy. I don't think either quarterback can win a game by themselves without a running game. And so if Ohio State's run defense did, does what they did, excuse me, to Kenneth Walker the third, it might be the same recipe to slow down Michigan's offense. Yes, they put up 59, 
but they were also able to do a lot of things against a, against a Maryland team that has really just been not performing very well of late. If they can do that, if they can stop the running rushing attack, it's going to be a long day for Michigan. This game could very well be over in the first quarter like it was against Michigan State. Well, it's going to be a really, really good game on Saturday. As we mentioned, we might try to get Jay in here before the end of the week to talk with Isaiah Hole for a segment, maybe on our Thursday show to get a better and deeper preview with both those guys of that game. But as it stands, it's been dominant Ohio State as of late. Eight wins in a row for the Buckeyes. A win on Saturday would tie actually for the longest winning streak in this rivalry's history. Michigan won nine in a row back in like it was the early 1900s. They won that streak, but it would be, of course, just another testament to how good Ohio State's been as of late, and we'll obviously see it all play out in Ann Arbor on Saturday. Once we come back, though, we got to talk to Jay about all the games from last weekend in the Big Ten. We've alluded to a couple of the big matchups already. Ohio State beat up bad on Michigan State. Michigan put up a lot of points, too. We'll break down the biggest games from the Big Ten here on Locked on Big Ten in just a moment. Well, when it comes to daily fantasy sports, there are all sorts of options out there nowadays. But Prize Picks is doing things a little bit differently and offering you more than some of those other sites might. If you're a college football fan especially, and if you're listening into Locked On Big Ten, I assume you might be, this site is the one for you to try and find out for your fantasy because they've got more college players available to play with than any other site out there. More college games and options for you to choose from, from Power 5 players to even the small mid-major schools. You can get those players into your action every weekend in your daily fantasy by heading over to prizepicks.com. And also, if you use our promo code locked on, you'll get a 100% deposit match on your first deposit up to $100. That's locked on at prizepicks.com. Again, prizepicks, your place to go for daily fantasy sports, especially with those college athletes that you know you know more about and could really make some money on. Back in here on Locked On Big Ten with Jay Stevens, our Monday co-host and the host of Locked On Buckeyes. Be sure to tune into his show once you're done listening in here to Locked On Big Ten. And thanks for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every weekday morning. It was a busy week in Big Ten football. We'll break down the biggest games from across the weekend. But as me and Jay were just saying before we got going here, it, it was not too much of an exciting weekend across the Big Ten. No real big upsets. There were some close games, and we'll get into the biggest and most important of the results. But it was not a huge, huge weekend for that That maybe like one big upset for the headline or, or one big game for us to talk about here. But obviously, there was a big game out there. Top 10 matchup, number four, Ohio State beats up on number seven, Michigan State, 56 to seven, the final score. Uh, I mean, 49, nothing at halftime. CJ Stroud, six touchdowns. We talked about how he was going to be able to cook in this one, Jay. But what was it in particular that made Ohio State's offense so unstoppable against the Michigan State defense that had stood up against certain teams in performances this season, but we knew it was facing kind of a weak spot here against these Buckeyes. Just Ohio State's players being better. No, I'm just playing. I, I know I won't say anything simple like that. No, um, it was a lot, a lot of C.J. Stroud really being able to, and Ryan Day being very well at, being very good at motion pre-snap to kind of manipulate the defense or figure out what the defense is going to do post-snap that allows C.J. Stroud to really pick apart the pieces of the defense, find the holes, figure out how big the holes are, and then we exploit them. Ohio State exploits them. 
It was a big, amazing catch to Chris Olave, I believe, in the second quarter. Now, the first quarter, second quarter, some of the highlights run together because it, there were literally so many. But a lot of it is just Ryan Day's preparation and making sure C.J. Stroud is prepared to see so much. Also, Nate, I mean, it's just a guy that's playing a lot of football right now, and he's seeing football in a different way now than he was at the beginning of the season. The Minnesota game, Oregon game, Tulsa game, everyone highlights those games. But even the Penn State-Nebraska games, those were things where C.J. Stroud took major strides in growth and maturing as a quarterback, and it's kind of what we saw manifested in front of our eyes on Saturday. Receivers that can get open against anybody, literally anybody. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, they can get open against anybody. At the line of scrimmage, in the middle of the route, at the top of the route, doesn't matter. They'll get open. And then this makes Stroud is just really anticipating and he's seeing things before the defensive players are doing them and exploiting the hole that that's right there, right in front of our eyes. The offense is amazing. It's the, off of the lines doing a phenomenal job. Stroud is doing amazing things with the ball in his hands. And it's just so much fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest kind of exclamation point on the weekend was just that Ohio State did exactly what they said we were going to. We said they were going to do. Uh, they dominated in the passing game, and when we talk about these kind of freaky good teams, that, that's what it kind of gets down to. We say exactly what they're going to do, and they do it every single weekend. It's a matter of like, can you get them on a weekend where you can hold it to like, all right, 85, 80 percent of whatever Ohio State normally is. And then you hope that you get your A game on your offensive side of the football too. That's the formula to beating Ohio State. And it still doesn't beat Ohio State a good percent of the time. That's just how good the team is. Uh, do you feel like this team stopped Kenneth Walker the third? He was kind of scripted out of this game for a big part of it. But he, he did only have 25 yards on the six carries. If you take out one big run, he was held up pretty good throughout the entire game again it wasn't really anything where he was going to have a whole lot of opportunity with the way that this game played out but he, he didn't do anything so let's just say yes i want to answer your question yes i do think they did that they did a good job of taking him out scripting him out of the out of the out of the game plan because the, the margin was so wide so quickly but it's also something to where ohio state let's just say it wasn't a, it was a game that was down tight it was not so close it was not so wide of a margin so early and this game was closer, second quarter, third quarter, beginning of the fourth. I do think this run defense was up to the task and was good enough to slow down the nation's leading rusher. This is not the same rush defense we saw week one with, um, with Mo Ibrahim, where he literally ran all over Ohio State's defense week number one. This is one of the better run defenses in the country. And so the only he only has six touches. That is Kenneth Walker the third in the first half for 25 yards. I think he had a, he had a little, I think he had a catch in the second half as well. But they did script him out because the offense really helped them. The defense is, an, is amazing, but another great way to get a great running back to not touch the ball by getting handoffs is to score so many points that the offense can't run the ball anymore. And that was kind of another added wrinkle that Ohio State did. Everyone talks about, oh, the rush defense. Another great way to keep the leading rusher, to keep the ball out of the leading rusher's hands is to not allow the, the game to be close. Ohio State did just that. Yeah, they certainly did. Again, that 49-0 score at halftime. Uh, on the Michigan State side, Jay, we talked about how Michigan State wasn't going to come out here and 
I feel like everyone knew. I mean, I mean, you could tell from the the way that this game was being talked about going into it that this wasn't going to be a, a good go for the Spartans. But I didn't feel good about just the way they came out in this game. I didn't feel like the play calling on offense was aggressive enough off the start. I felt like they were trying to be safe for a lot of the start of this game and Ohio state just pounced on it. But just overall, did you feel like this was a Michigan state team getting exposed for being just a little bit overrated, a little bit, maybe of a team that was better than, or not as good as what we thought, or was this Michigan state team that just came out and didn't have the day that it needed to. Didn't have the day that it needed to. I saw somebody on Twitter it's a guy I've done some shows with shows with as well uh, for other another podcast that he hosted. He, he was talking about how Michigan State is not one of the better teams in the country. They were overrated. I said, wait, no, they're not overrated. There's just a big gap. And I do think that people have I don't think people have properly ranked the teams all season long using resume versus the eye test. I think there's a big gap in the difference between the two on how you view the teams. If you're a resume resume person, well, your resume might be completely different than what your eyeballs tell you the way a team is playing on the field. And I firmly think that that's kind of how things have been. Michigan State, they're a good football team. What we what they have done this year is amazing. They have played a lot of really good football. It's just they played a team that's one of the best teams in college football that has separated themselves from everybody else in college football, and it got manifested against Michigan, Michigan State over the weekend. That's just what it is. Michigan State's not a bad football team. They're a good football team. Ohio State is just a lot better. Mm. Built Bar is the best place to go for your protein supplements they've got of course all the nutrients that you want out of these products of course the protein low carbs low sugar and 100 chocolate on the bars too but they also provide the great taste that you don't get anywhere else built bar has new flavors coming out all the time they're trying to get you hooked on just one so you keep on coming back for more because they know that they've already got all of the nutrients and nutrition stuff down now they just need to make sure that they get you on a great flavor. Again, 100% chocolate on all the bars. You can go to Built.com, see everything that they have as far as their products and pricing. And if you use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order at the website. Again, that's Built.com. Go ahead and try them out. Built Bars, seriously, outstanding tasting protein bars. Yeah, it, it was, again, a game that there's unfortunately not a lot to talk about. 56-7 to seven with the final score there. It's, again, something you want to discuss more. Five, top 10 matchup, but it's obviously Michigan State, I don't think, going to be in the top 10 after this uh, upcoming college football playoff ranking. And we'll see, again, what ends up happening just the rest of the way with that. But Mi Michigan and Maryland, as we move on here, Jay. The Wolverines, we mentioned, put up 59 points in this game, a 59-16 to 16 final. The Wolverines' weapons looked really good. Uh, Hassan was good, outstanding again. Uh, Cade McNamara looked really good under center once more. J.J. McCarthy came in and I think had a, a couple of his J.J. McCarthy plays that Harbaugh's been using him for, and he looked good once more. As we mentioned before, I, I asked you about it earlier when we talked a little bit about this matchup with Ohio State coming up. I'll put it in that frame of reference again. Where do you think these weapons can hurt Ohio State, hurt a defense? And I guess, what do you think it can do against a team 
like the Buckeyes this weekend in, in looking forward, just because, uh, again, 59 to 16, I don't feel a need to talk too much about Michigan, Maryland. But Michigan's weapons right now are looking like they have the kind of explosiveness that you need if you're going to try and go in and knock off a Buckeyes team. So here's the one thing you mentioned with the quarterback situation. You kind of know what's going to happen with McCar- when McCarthy comes on the field. You kind of know what McNamara is as a quarterback. I'm not sure that helps Michigan this game. I think if you can do something a little bit, it's be unpredictable. When everybody in the country knows the kind of quarterbacks you have and McNamara and McCarthy and the players you're going to run for both, that just helps the preparation for the game. I mean, Jim Harbaugh running a kick return that was a throwback and then running on the other side of the field, very similar to um, the kick return, the Titans had 99 playoffs, wild card round. If you're trying to do those trickeration things week before, the biggest game of the year in your lifetime, in your coaching career right now, I think that might not be the smartest thing. Now, granted, I do think Harbaugh's going to have some added wrinkles, but the weapons they have, they're amazing, but everybody kind of already knows what's going to happen when those weapons are on the field. I'm not sure if – now, if, Matt, if McCarthy comes in and he's doing – and if he comes in and he's throwing – in ways that he's doing things we never th- saw him do. That's amazing. But I just think that they're not so much predictable as far as – no, they are predictable as far as we know what the plays are going to be called for each player. Um, weapons are amazing, but it's kind of one thing where they is able to properly prepare the players for each quarterback, and that might be a recipe for disaster for Michigan unless Harbaugh has another trick up his sleeve, which is possible. Well, we'll see. None of his tricks have worked against Ohio State and not gotten any close as of recent in the last couple of matchups. But again, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that game as we continue with the week. Last game before we let you go here, Jay, I want to talk about Wisconsin hosted Nebraska. Ended up winning it late. It was Braylon Allen, who we'll talk about in a second, getting the game-winning touchdown in the last few minutes for the Badgers. 35-28 the final. Nebraska loses by one possession again to another team that just playing really good football right now. Uh, Let's start off again, looking forward to the future before we get into this game. Wisconsin wins the Big Ten West if they beat Minnesota this weekend. Do you think they get that done again against P.J. Fleck? Ooh, yeah, I do. Um, I was really up in the air about this one. You mentioned Braylon Allen. That's a That boy's good. That boy is good. In Minnesota's offense, I don't know if they'll be able to score enough points against Wisconsin's defense. I did not. I, I also will say this. I didn't expect Nebraska to put up 28 points against mm-hmm. Wisconsin. So I could be wrong in my analysis about how this how the game will go next week. But I, I think Wisconsin has this one. Um, I think they, even though quarterbacks are limited, offenses are a little bit limited on what they can do, moving the ball down the field. I think Wisconsin has enough, and it's all behind those linebackers in the defense. I believe they have what it, what it takes to keep whichever Minnesota running back is in the backfield under 100 yards, and so that Wisconsin will, will win the game. Well, we know that Wisconsin defense. On the offensive side, what, what surprised me most in recent weeks is it, it seems like now where at the beginning of the season they were trying to find any way to score, now, now they're finding new ways to score all the time. Graham Mertz has looked good at times in the past few weeks. The running game for Wisconsin has returned back to what we expect a Wisconsin running game to look like. Braylon Allen, you mentioned three touchdowns, 238 on 22 carries was outstanding. It was a game where 
I just keep again, I, I think forget who it was last week I was talking to. Every single week that Wisconsin's been on this run, I, I keep waiting for them to fall back down. And not even just because I don't believe in Wisconsin's talents or abilities as a team, but because it seems just so unlikely that they've been able to change from a team that was so convincingly uh, broken to a team that has it so convincingly figured out right now. It's remarkable to see, but again, we'll continue to remark on it as it happens. But Badgers put up 35 in this one. I guess my point is just that they continue to look really, really good on offense. You're right. Nebraska looked all right, too. Adrian Martinez was uh, fine, 351, but one touchdown, two picks. Uh, Nebraska, again, just can't seem to finish the game. I, I mean, there's nothing left to say about the Cornhuskers. They're on to next season. They've got new coaches. Scott Frost is going to have a, a, another do-or-die season. I think this is like his third in a row that he'll have for Nebraska coming up. But anyway, they're down to three and eight. Wisconsin's fighting for the Big Ten title. It's a game where Badgers just ran over and did literally run over Nebraska all game long and played a classic Wisconsin game at home on senior day to, to secure a win here on the way out. I got a few big plays or a few key plays here in this game that kind of stick out to me. We can talk about, we can talk about Braylon Allen's stat line. Well, I got three of them. So one mm-hmm. of them is Wisconsin opening the game up with a kickoff return for a touchdown. Yeah. That's a momentum boost right there. You the game just starts opening kickoff. Next thing you know, you're up seven to zero and Nebraska who already knows they can't really hurt themselves and, um, mess and mess themselves up and push themselves back they allowed a touchdown on the opening kickoff and that's not a great way to start a game especially when you're nebraska when you're limited and your quarterback continues to make mistake after mistake after mistake he can move the ball but late in games as we saw i'll talk about it here in a second he will throw the game literally throw the game away then there was i now the quarter of this one is not written down. I think it was in the third, either into the first half or in the third quarter. But Adrian Martinez threw an interception to Colin Wilder. Wilder actually made him an, an amazing catch on this one. I thought it was going to be, a, I thought it was going to be a knockdown ball, but he came in, took the ball, jumped right in front of the receiver, caught the ball, and then that play, that turnover led to a Graham Mertz touchdown pass. And so those are two touchdowns right there, the opening kickoff, and then the interception turned into a touchdown for Wisconsin. That's 14 points. And those 14 points right there were two, if you take away take away one, it's a tie game. But those two together, that is tight. Those are momentum-type building, confidence-type things. Hey, we can do this when we start the game off. Hey, we can score off when we get a turnover. And these are things that Nebraska, you can't have then at the end of the game, when you're thinking you're going to be able to, um, I don't know why, it was funny. Uh, it was not this part, but I know the broadcaster made a comment about how Scott Frost is coming back and he wants Adrian Martinez to continue to be his quarterback next year. Martinez can't still play. And Martinez threw a pick. Like, while wow, the guy said that. I'm like, so you, Frost wants this guy to be his quarterback. We've seen Martinez's track record. He kind of just throwing the ball away. And at the end of the game, he made a really – Poor, poor decision once again. I believe it was an incomplete pass. Wisconsin comes out and kneels the ball final minute of the game. It's it's, it's just so much fun to watch and see this team have so much faith and belief, something that I didn't have in this team at the beginning of the season. Their growth throughout the season and getting more reps and more experience. It's fun seeing these boys have fun on the field. Yeah, uh, Paul Christ got him ready. It, it was just the beginning of the season. We thought that it might be too little too late, but Badgers 
got control of their own fate in the Big Ten and have been holding on to it ever since. They can end up clinching that ticket to Indianapolis with a win over Minnesota in Minneapolis on Saturday. That's obviously going to be a huge one for Paul Bunyan's axe on Saturday afternoon. But of course, we'll get to that game later on as there's a lot of big games this weekend to talk about in the Big Ten. Jay, before we let you go, anything else from the weekend to talk about from the Big Ten that you wanted to make a point of here before we throw you out? But also, again, remind people where they can get a hold of you too. Got to give a quick uh, little um, pub or a little shout out to Aiden O'Connell, who continues to impress another yeah. 400 plus yard performance, three touchdowns. Once again, he did not start at the beginning of the season, took over the starting job, and he has not looked back. Jeff Brum has his quarterback. Now he has to get the rest of his office. David Bell probably leaving at the end of the season, get you an offensive line, get you some more receivers, get you a running back. And this may be one of the better offenses in the Big Ten next season, assuming O'Connell and Jeff Brom gets this offense flowing and moving like we believe his uh, Jeff Brom offense can. That's all I got. You guys follow me on Twitter at jsteven07. Um, be, we'll have fun all week long. Thanksgiving is this week, but I'll still be pretty active uh, commenting and joking around and laughing at some things that are going on and uh, just preparing for this upcoming game, Ohio State-Michigan on Saturday afternoon. That's Jay Stevens, again, host of Locked On Buckeyes, Monday through Friday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Nate Dickinson. This has been Locked On Big Ten.